0: Well good morning and welcome to Grace, I'm Pastor Ryan. Today we will look at a passage towards the end of the book of Romans where after the Apostle Paul has made the bulk of his defense of the gospel, he now ties together the themes of his letter to speak about God as the God of hope. We will see how hope is an essential ingredient in many other Christian virtues and we will examine Paul's path to become people who worship God out of an overflow of biblical hope that's been grounded in our Savior, Jesus Christ. Thanks for listening. Well, I'll, I'll finish uh, a routine of visitations or I'll be out on the road and I'll get home and I'll be a little bit, a little bit tired. I like to sit down, I would like to kick my feet up. Anybody else with me there? Yeah, and then my little girl comes to me and says, Daddy, will you play with me? And she's got one of these imaginations that just wears me out. Anyone know what I mean by that? I mean, just, I used to have that type of energy, but somehow uh, old gray Mary ain't as young as she used to be. I, I know, I'm, y'all giving me looks now. I understand. <laughs> uh, so I, I, I tell her, this is my standard answer. I know some of you maybe have said this too. Honey, just wait a little bit. Just wait. Just wait a little bit. And her answer is so honest Daddy, she says. It's too hard to wait. It's too hard to wait. And she said, that's just the honest truth. Now, how many of us today recognize that that's what the world's like? Boy, is it hard sometimes to wait. And you know what has <laughs> happened in our world today? This isn't even part of my sermon. I'm just off on this right now. Is that we have, as adults, we've tried to solve this. And in so doing, we have offered to the next generation the false idea that they can have anything they want and whenever they want it. We did that, that's our fault, because we didn't like it ourselves. But in trying to repair that such that our lives would be more comfortable, that I'd have everything I want right now. Do you see the problem with the next generation? They don't know how, two things I always tell my son, they don't know how to work, and they don't know how to wait. And the big problem with that is when you don't wait for something, when you don't have to put in the time you don't value it when it shows up. Right? You, you don't value it. If everything is easy come, it's also easy go. You guys know that to be true. And uh, this actually is a problem in our faith. It's a problem within Christianity because we have failed to understand the core concept of what is the central hope of Christianity. And it's the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, you and I wouldn't have this problem if we lived back in the first century. If you walked and talked with Jesus and he said, look, I'm going away. And it's good that I go away, that I send the Spirit. But if I go, I prepare a place for you and I will draw you on to myself such that where I am, you will be also. We as disciples would say, well, when, when is, uh, let, let's go, get on with it. We're ready for you to return. And you and I, we would be looking and we would be watching. And that's what the New Testament writers, the apostles The followers of Jesus Christ. That's the perspective they had. They were continually waiting and watching. But the Lord carries. And uh, the command from uh, Heavenly Father has not yet been given for the Son to return. Peter helps us understand this. I love it from the lips of Peter because, you know, he was the one that kept shooting his mouth off. He was quick to answer and slow to think, right? And Peter helps the church know. He says, look, God's not slow in keeping his promises. As some of you understand, slowness. That's not God's deal. It's not like God's had a long day and he's kicked his feet up and and we say, Let's play. And he says, You need to wait. That's not God. God doesn't he's not slow like you and I are slow. Peter says, in fact, he's patient. Is that a beautiful word? God is patient with us, not wanting any to perish, but for all to come to repentance and knowledge. Or Savior for eternal life. God's not slow, and yet we looked last week at peace. If you can remember this, peace is given to us through... Do you know there'd be a quiz Sunday morning? How do we get peace? <laughs> prayer. Do you remember this? I, uh, let me help you. You could say with me, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, with prayer and petition and thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which surpasses understanding... You remember it now, Right? Guard your heart and mind, right? So prayer. And I said that God only has three answers when you pray. It's either yes, no, or wait. It's waiting. And this is where we need to understand the Christian doctrine of hope. Because our hope is only activated when we understand that we have to wait. And yet the hope that we get from uh, our faith is different from the world's. Remember, I remember when I was a child, we go to Grandma's house, and uh, she, she lived down past Appleton. One night we were uh, – I, for, I forget the reason we were traveling as a family, but it was dark, and it was late, and we got there, and uh, Grandma and Grandpa weren't home. Um, but Dad knew where they hid the key because, you know, that's what dads are good at. And uh, he has us – and it's like cold outside. He has us at the front door. He says, wait here. I'm going to go get in the back way. And I remember – I remember being afraid. I remember being like, um, where did he go? Uh, he, he just left us. And I don't know where he's going. And I don't know when he's returning back. Did you guys ever see the movie Jurassic Park? Remember that movie? All right. I'm, I'm a little punchy this morning. I'm a little off topic. But just go with me on this, all right? Jurassic Park. I know you've seen the movie. There's a moment when the two little kids are in the car. And the lawyer's in there. And the T-Rex is coming out of the cage, right? And remember the lawyer? He leaves. He gets out of the car and he leaves, and the kids say, He left us. He left us. Do yeah. you think he's returning? No. He ain't coming back. Now, could they hope that he comes back? Yeah. They, they could, but it's not going to do him any good. Listen, I'm telling you that whole story because that's not what Christian hope is like. That's not it at all. Hope for Christianity is not a matter of uh, positive thinking. I hope I'm planning on Jesus returning. It's not a matter of prediction. It's not a matter of odds. It's not a matter of optimism. It's not a maybe he's returning or if you do this, he's returning. Look, the hope of Christianity is grounded in certainty. You you with me this morning? The hope that we have is not grounded upon good odds like you go in and uh, roll the dice at a casino and I'm here we go this this time or the scratchers at the gap maybe now no that's not the hope of Christianity it's uncertainty and even to go off topic further go with me to the book of Luke we're just we're going folks here we go (laughs) Luke chapter one we're going to land in Romans so you could work your way to Romans eventually but I got to show you this Luke chapter one it's the beginning of the gospel Uh, this Gentile historian physician who knows Christianity and knows Christians, understands that there are believers who have been taught the ways of Jesus Christ, but they've never been told the whole story. And so Luke decides, look, I'm going to get this thing straight for all of you. And that's what I want you to see. Luke chapter 1, page 1587 in the Pew Bibles. Verse 1, Luke writes these words. Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who were the first eyewitnesses and servants of the word. Therefore, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, it seemed good also to me to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus. So that... But listen, always pay attention if you see a so that... In the Bible, it answers the question why. The Question here he's answering is Luke, why did you write all of this? What was the what was going through your head when you wrote all of this? Here we go, verse four. So that you may know the what, certainty. the certainty of the things you have been taught. L- look, if if Luke knew it, if the Spirit led him to write it, then I can preach it this morning. Your hope of the return of Jesus Christ. It's not a matter of wishful thinking. Your hope is built upon certainty. Glenn, give me an amen. If, if, there it is. That's right. Good. So um, I got one more story. All right. So, so uh, when we lived in Texas, uh, we picked up a game called uh, Texas Hold'em. A- anybody poker? Play? Be honest in church now. You play? Yeah, okay. All right. Now, we're not, we're, we're not betting anything Substantial, Just chips. But my, my wife, she uh, really, really liked playing this game. And so I've got these good old Duck Dynasty cards I stole from home here. And here, here's what Christian hope is like. I want to give you an illustration of it. Because when my wife would play Texas uh, Hold'em, uh, she, she doesn't know how to bluff because she's that good of a Christian. She doesn't know how to lie at all. And Which means this, that if Emily starts betting, she has got a hand. Let me tell you that. And it was the easiest tell. If she starts going in, you and I are going out because she is holding. I I, I searched through the deck and I, I picked up a, a. You guys know what's this called here? A spade suit, starting with ace down to ten. That's called a royal. That's called a royal flush. There, there's no hand higher than this. There's no hand higher than this. If you get this at the table, now you still have to wait for everybody else to play, right? There's still a time period before you can do one of these. <laughs> right you 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 have you have a moment by which you you have to wait but guess what you know what is it you know who won i won listen here this is christian hope the hope that you have in christianity is not a you know maybe it'll work out maybe we'll be successful maybe we'll win it's it is a locked solid rock hard guarantee certainty You and I, because of Jesus Christ, you are holding in your hand a royal flesh right now. Your faith in him is a royal flesh, which means that your hope is not something that's a matter of chance or question. Your hope is a certainty. And so you and I, we all live like that. You get it? Emily, when she's holding the the winning hand, she lives like it. She bets like it. She's fearless with what she could have lost. We, We need to act that same way in our faith. You cannot lose a thing that will not be returned to you tenfold in heaven on this earth now because you're already holding the winning hand. You already have the hand nobody can beat. That's where we place our hope in the certainty of Jesus' resurrection. He beat dead. He conquered the grave. There's nothing else that can compare. So Romans 15 is where we're going to study this morning. Uh, what, basically what we're going to do, and you have this in your sermon notes, I'd, I'd invite you to uh, try to uh, fill in the blanks there. There's three different glances we're going to take at this passage. All right, The substance of hope, the source of hope, and the scope of hope. I'm going to move through the last two a little bit quickly just because we, you know, we don't want to be here all day. Um, but uh, I'm going to press upon that first one for a little while, and I, I want to do our best to tune into it. So Romans chapter 15. Seven. Okay, 1766 in the pew bibles we're going to read verses 1 through 13 please follow along with me paul writes this at the end of his letter we who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves each of us should please his neighbor for his good to build him up for even christ did not please himself but as it's written the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through endurance and encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you a spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow Christ Jesus. So that with one heart and mouth you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord, Jesus Christ. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you, in order to bring praise to God. For I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the Jews on behalf of God's truth to confirm the promises made to the patriarchs, so that the Gentiles may glorify God for his mercy. As it's written, therefore, I will praise you among the Gentiles. I will sing hymns to your name. And again it says, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and sing praises to him, all you peoples. And again in Isaiah, it says, the root of Jesse will spring up. And one who will arise to rule over the nations, the Gentiles will hope in him. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, awesome passage of scripture, isn't it? Uh, I, I'll be honest with you, I've probably read this 20 times, and not until my study of it this past week has the richness of what the Spirit has to speak to us really come up to me. And, and for this, I want to break it down. You, you remember biology class when you dissect a frog? You guys remember those days? Yeah. You're, you're in biology class this morning, right? That's what we're going to do. We're, we're going to pull this apart because I want you to see the treasure that's contained in here. First scope is the substance of hope. Uh, when, when I mean substance, I'm talking about uh, that which hope is uh, included in. Hope is like the the special ingredient. It's like the secret ingredient in the recipe of all of the other gemstones we've looked at. Like if you were to look at the label on like faith, you'd find ingredients. Hope. They put hope in faith. That's what makes faith so great because hope's in there. It's like ranch dressing. It's the best. (laughs) Number one, the substance of hope is faith. The substance of hope is found in faith. Look with me at verse 13. I'm kind of starting at the end, but we're going to build it back up. He says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him. So listen here. The the prayer of Paul on behalf of the people that God would fill us with joy and peace, look, it's not yours unless you're doing what? Faith. Faith. Unless you're trusting in him. It's a really interesting Greek word uh, used here. It's actually an infinitive. which is like a noun verb. So it's probably a little better translated as in the believing. So as you trust in him is spoken as a fact of your action. You with me on this? It's not faith like, oh yeah, I'm a Christian. I go to church. That's not what he means. He means as you live out your belief in him. That's what this word is saying. Two, two uh, aspects I, I want to bring out. Uh, uh, the first is uh, this idea of the action of it. So that, that's what I want to talk about first. Michael was at uh, Lake Ellen camp uh, this summer, and they have got a rope swing over their uh, swimming area. And I, cr- I can remember asking him, Hey, pal, how'd you like the, the rope swing? And he would kind of say, Oh, yeah, yeah, that's good. Well, did you, did you go on it? Well, you know, I just watched the other kids. You know, it's a, little, it's a little scary, actually. And you can imagine it is to grab hold of a rope swing for the first time. You're having to put all your trust in what? Oh. Yeah, you're, you, you can't do the rope swing like this. <laughs> Not fun that way. No, you got you to gotta give everything to it, right? Well, guess what? This year, young man finally decided to give it all four. How do you think he liked it? Yeah, he's, he's cutting in front of the other kids to get in line, to do it again. Here's the deal. You won't have the ability to evaluate anything until you give yourself to it. You don't have the ability to make a discerning judgment, whether this works or not, until you've taken that step of faith. That's what he's talking about here. Hope is woven into it. And the reason I'm showing you this is because verse 13 says, May the God of hope fill you with joy and peace as you trust in him. If you want to see where hope first shows up, it shows up in our faith Look at this passage from the book of Hebrews 11, verse 1. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for. There it is. Uh, How how do you bake me a a cake of faith? Well, first go get the hope. Sprinkle a bunch of hope in there, right? Because that's what faith is made of. The substance of hope is found in faith. It's being certain of what we do not see. I'm not sure if the rope's going to hold me, but you know what? I'm giving it what for. I'm going to believe that it's going to Hold my weight. Second thing I want to show you in this passage on faith is uh, the uh, direction of it. So verse 13 again says, joy and peace as you trust in who? Look at your Bibles real quick, right? Verse 13, fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. You can't miss this now. All right, this is inserted in here in our English reading because you have to know the object of your faith. So where did we get this from? Well, you just back up a verse in 12. Go back one verse. Verse 12, he says, and again Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will spring up. Who is that? Who is the root of Jesse? This is a covenant that God makes with uh, Jesse's son David, that there will come one from your line, a king who will never fail to sit on your throne. Who is that one that we worship? That's Jesus Christ. The root of Jesse is Jesus. And here, the prophecy you've given, one who will rise up. To rule over nations, and the Gentiles will hope in him. Uh, This uh, last night, Sadie was sick and fever of 103. And as parents, that just ruins your whole night because there's nothing you can do. And her little body's just burning up. And 4 a.m., I'm saying, we need to take her to the emergency room. And, And Emily and I keep going back and forth on this. Now, this is different for a medical professional. And Emily finds a number and she calls a nurse. And the nurse says, she'll be fine. Everything's going to be fine. Give her some Tylenol. Give her some ibuprofen. Now, I could sit there with Emily all night and say, she's going to be fine. She'll be fine. Right? What do I know? She needs to hear it from the one who actually knows. And that little measure of faith that you can identify is exactly why Paul says, Don't believe in yourself. Don't believe in the preacher. Don't believe in television personality. Put your faith in the one who knows. Jesus has gone before every one of us down the path of death. And guess what? He has come out on the other side resurrected to the glory and the praise of God the Father. That's the promise that's been given you and I. You ought not. And I I frankly would say it's the most dangerous thing for a Christian to fix their eyes upon any other teaching that doesn't come from the word. You and I need to fix our eyes on the author and perfecter of our faith. What's his name? Say it out. Jesus. Jesus. That's where we look. And so the the two scopes of faith that I want you to understand here is that faith, it, it begins by telling you, you gotta live this out. You gotta give yourself to it. And secondly, you gotta look to the one who knows. And there you'll find peace. And there you'll find rest. Don't look anywhere else. Look to Jesus. All right. Secondly is this. Substance of faith is found in unity. Uh, Now, I hope you were paying close attention because, honestly, this is not very difficult to see in our passage. Just go back with me in verse 1. We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak. So anybody who's strong in your faith... And if you know somebody who's just irritating you to no end because they can't get on board, what the Bible say? Bear with the failings of the weak. Uh, jump down a little bit further. Verse 7, what's the command given to you? Yeah, it, verse 7, Accept one another when they agree with all the things that you like and when they say all the things that you say. Is that what your Bible says? No. Accept one another. That's the command. Accept one another just as Christ accepted you. How how polished are you to get Jesus' attention? Jesus was looking down from heaven saying, i got to get them on my team. I don't know why I've been waiting so long to save. I don't pick on anybody. Save Ryan, right? (laughs) Uh Uh-uh. Filthier eggs. No righteousness at all. In rebellion to God, I am his enemy. His wrath is rightly upon me. And yet, what did Jesus do? died for you and saved you. Right? The arms open. Come home, son. Come home, right? That's the same command you and I are given for one another. Because the substance of hope is found in unity. The entire context of this passage on hope. All of this that we've read in chapter 15. Focusing towards hope rests upon the command that the church is unified. Here's a great passage in Ephesians. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. A couple of observations. How many churches are there? Yeah, just one. And I know you are probably sick of hearing me preach like this, but i, I got to say a core value that I have as a minister of the gospel is to say churches that have different names on signs need to remember we are not of different bodies. I don't care what tradition or fancy, whatever doodah you got in your church, we are family. As they say in Texas, y'all. <laughs> we are family, you right? We We need to know that there is right now Members, brothers and sisters of our family, worshiping God across our country. And we all ought to worship with one voice, one heart, one mind. So that, and check this out, look at what he says, so that what will the position of God be when we do that? All. Yeah, he's in all. Every one of us now comes in circles around the truth. Now, I do want to make this one point. You forfeit unity when you leave truth. There is no fellowship between darkness and light. There there is none. This is very clear, and I'm not really going to dive into that passage much further than understanding this. When we are told to go and baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Matthew 28, 19, that that is defining for us a particular version of the deity. That's the version of God that we believe in. And if you ascribe to some other version of that, you call yourself a Christian all day long, but you ain't part of the family. Jesus says... I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through him. So you've got to get that part right. And when you do, when you get around this, when we understand our central hope, God is exalted to be all in all. That's what it means to see hope as a substance of unity. One of the reasons why this is so important uh, for this time period is because um, the Jews hated a certain group of people more than any other people. They were called Gentiles. Those Gentile dogs, we are not going to let them cheer for the Packers. uh, Whatever it might be. Uh, There there is a division to which you do not mix. And even for the Jews who did mix, they called them Samaritans and they avoided them uh, like the plague amongst everybody else. So what does Paul have to say when he's saying, look, you've got to get along. The substance of faith is found in unity. Look what he says. I know you guys caught this. Verse 9 He says, so that the Gentiles may glorify God for his mercy, as it's written. And don't you love how a preacher doesn't run out of passages? Look at Paul. Look at this. Therefore, I'll praise you among the Gentiles. Sing hands of your name. Verse 10. Again, it says, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. 11. Again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Sing his praises to him. Verse 12. And again, have you got it? You got the message? I need to to root you in the context here, because he is dealing with people who I, I despise them. And yet the command given to us by the blood of Jesus Christ is that you don't get to pick and choose. If God accepts them, you accept them. The way Christ accepted them, come here, right here, let's go. Let's hug it out. Now, I make this sound like it's simple, but let's be honest. This is not always simple. You and I will get stuck on the most, isn't it petty sometimes, the things that we get stuck on, a little comment from this person or sometimes the lack of a comment because, because they didn't say good morning to me. I'm not going to speak to them. Uh, we, are, we are a pity people. Look, the blood of Jesus Christ, for the sake of the only begotten Son of God, crucified on a tree for us. Boy, let's learn to let those things go. The family of God, to glorify God, needs to be seen in community. Not these little isolated bubbles. Not these little segments of well we of our church the way we do. And, and, you know, you got to look, get on board with truth. After that, unity is where we find our hope. Thirdly is this praise. The substance of hope is woven through praise. Uh, A couple places I want you to see this. verse six. Look where, look with me there. He says, so that with one heart and mouth, you may glorify. The God and Father. And you can draw a line right there. You can circle glorify and go straight down to verse 9. So that the Gentiles may, there it is again. You see it? Glorify God. What does it, it mean to glorify God? Good. You guys are tracking. It, it goes, actually, it goes beyond praise, it follows into obedience. The fruit of obedience becomes praise from our lips. Because of two things what God has done what God is going to do. And so he writes this into every one of these quotes. He he wasn't just picking passages about Gentiles. Look what else. Each one holds. Uh, Verse 9. Therefore I will. What? Praise you among the Gentiles. I will sing hymns to your name. Verse 10. Again it says. Rejoice O Gentiles. With his people. Again it says. Praise! Are you catching this? I feel like I'm kicking a dead horse a little bit here. Everybody on board, say Amen if you're on board. Amen. All right, you got it. I, I want you to say. I, I looked up each of these words. I just want to read them for you. He doesn't use the same word twice. Not a single time does Paul pick a passage and try to put you to sleep by just boring you with the same idea. So he picks a different nuance of praise each time. The first one means to confess praise. That's something you do by declaring who God is. Second one is to sing praise. The third one means to rejoice. This is where you're just like. I just can't hold it in anymore. Right? That's rejoice. Uh, Verse 11. It means to express approval to God. This is who you are and what you've done. In the third or the last one. uh, To praise God for his excellence. different word for worship. Every time it shows up. All centering around the understanding that if you have hope, it finds its way worked out in praise. So if you're the type of person that comes to church... does one of those what is it what ingredient might you be missing it's not praise you're missing you're actually missing something that creates praise you're missing hope you're missing hope here's a great passage from first Peter right at the beginning of his letter he says praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ in His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So you see what you have? New birth that only makes sense to you because you have what? starts with an H. Because you have hope. And what, what was it He commanded you to do again? What was it? Praise. Yeah, look at that. There it is. Praise is the result of understanding the hope that you have. Which is why I'm even to preach on it today. Like we, I love hearing God's people lift their voices and sing. And part of what I do, I pick new songs, is because we've got to expand kind of our comfort zone of what we know. We could sing Old Rugged Cross all day long. We all know that. But look, there is all kinds of wonderful songs out there that we need to know and learn and begin to cherish and add into the repertoire of our praise and worship. You and I, we will fail at that if we miss this, new birth into a living hope. So there you go. Substance of hope. And that's what I want to spend the most time on. Right? It's uh, faith, live it out. Place it in him. Let go of the land, grab onto Christ. It's in unity. I don't, if you just like people who are nice to you, you are no better than a sinner. That's in the Bible, you know. First Peter, I could preach it, but I won't. But listen here, you are no better than a <laughs> sinner. Who Do good to those who do good to you? Everyone does that. You and I, we need to learn to love those who are like the Gentile Jew divide the people who just don't get along with those are the ones that we need to find unity around because hope helps us do that and finally we praise from hope. All right, number two, the source of hope. Uh, this is actually uh, also fairly uh, important here. So uh, where does this is actually the question? Where does hope come from? So where do I find it? All right, I'm on board, Pastor Ryan. I'm on board. I'm with you with hope. Now tell me how to look for it. Give me the GPS coordinates to get hope. Here you go. Number one, the Bible. That's it. Look with me in verse 4. As he's recounting this command to come together, he says in verse 4, For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us. Did you know that? Your, Your Bible was written to teach you. Now, my son came home from school the other day, and he said he's got a test to prepare for in social studies, which is uniquely difficult for a child who was raised in another country. Uh, He struggles with it a little bit, so he knows he's got to bring his book home. And guess what he forgot at school? His book. How's that going to go? You tell me how that test is going to go if you ain't reading the book. You get where I'm going on this? Uh, the, The Bible has been written... To teach us, continue with me through verse 4, so that through endurance and encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Where where are you going to find hope? Hold up your Bibles. Let me see. Hold them up. Here we go. Right here. This is where I'm going to find hope. I'm going to find it right here. I'm not going to find it anywhere else. Not on television. Not in um, positive thinking books. I'm going to find it right here in the scriptures alone. All right, that's all I got in that. Number two, uh, endurance and encouragement. That's where where you find hope, through endurance and encouragement. I was carrying the laundry up the stairs the other day, and I had been exercising. I I took a couple weeks off, and so I get the laundry basket up to the top, and I go, What? what am I missing? I'm missing endurance. That's right. Because endurance doesn't come by sitting eating Cheetos in front of the TV. It doesn't. That's not where you get endurance. Endurance comes from practice. Endurance comes from living out your faith. And that doesn't happen by accident. It has to happen intentionally. Here in Romans 8. Did you guys catch it? We read it today. We know that the whole creation has been groaning. That's the sound you make when you have to run. (laughs) That's the sound of having to work through the difficulties. The whole creation has been growing, as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, so not just the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, we groan inwardly as we, there's a big word, wait eagerly for our adoption as sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is not hope at all. For who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we, there it is again, we wait for it patiently. That's what it means to have endurance. Um, it's tough. It's tough to hear that. And I'm thankful for the genuine honesty of my daughter who says it's so, it's so hard to wait. It really is. It's hard to wait. But it's only hard because you know how awesome it is to play with your dad. <laughs> Think about that for a minute. If I was just a boring stick in the mud, she would not be upset one bit at all. When she says, Daddy, play with me, I say, just wait a minute. She'd be like, I'm good, I'm glad you didn't want to anyway. But if you really are looking forward to it, if it's something that you really desire... Then hearing the word, just hold on, just be patient, is like, ah, it's so hard. And do you see why we mix this up? Do you see why I feel like our church today, not here, but in general, we fail at faith and unity and praise? It's because we don't understand hope, because we failed to treasure this person. He's coming again. How badly do you want to see him? How much are you willing to give up to worship him with your life? My daughter would give up anything, play with her daddy, because she just thinks the world of me. What do you think of God? How big is he in your life? How much are you looking forward and just knowing I have to wait? And you need endurance for that. I, I, I got a passage for encouragement here as well. I want you to look at this from Hebrews chapter 6. This one's awesome, by the way. He says, because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised. That's us. Touch your neighbor say, that's us. That's us. Good. You're with me. Here we go. He says he confirmed it with an oath. God did this so that by two unchangeable things, in which it's impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope set before us may be greatly encouraged. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where Jesus, who went before us, has entered on our behalf. Here's the idea. Um, You and I can't come before God. We can't. But Jesus opened up a way for us to come, and he went before us. So if he goes and he invites you, that means you're good to go. You place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. That means you come before God, not as a begging sinner, but you come before God with the full righteousness of his Son. Do you know what that is for you? hope. That's hope. The writer of Hebrews says that that hope that God has promised to us, uh, you, what happens when you find a good fishing hole? What do you do? You put down the, you put down the anchor. That's right. And I've been, on, uh, I've been on lakes where the wind picks up. But you put that anchor and It sets firm. I'll catch fish all day long. Because it holds you in place. And the world that you and I live in has a wind of change constantly blowing. You need to think this way. and You need to be that way. And you're too judgmental. And, and um, that's the world coming at us. And you and I need to say, look, I've got something that transcends this world. It's the promise of my Savior. I wish you could meet him. He's coming again. You want to make sure you know him before he does. Because that's my hope as an anchor for my soul. No matter what I face. Awesome. Awesome passage. Uh, you see it right there. As an anchor for our soul. Firm. Insecure. So there you go. How do you find hope? Number one. Read the book. It's given to you to teach you. So you can learn. So that you hear the stories of those who have gone on before. That had to endure. And those who had to find encouragement. You'll find hope there. And then lastly. Through joy and through peace. Uh, look with me in verse 13. Again at the very end. Paul says these words. May the God of hope. Fill you with all. Do you see him? With joy and Peace. As you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So if hope is going to be the result, what two ingredients do you need to mix to get hope? There it is. Joy and peace. I was gonna bring one of those um, middle school volcanoes to church today with baking soda and vinegar and put like joy and hope on the one and put them together. It would have been awesome, right? That would have been awesome. Right? Uh, that, that the result of what comes out, it's incredible. You put joy in. You put peace in, hope comes out. That's what he's saying here. And you might remember, we we studied each of these gemstones, right? Joy, I'm just going to review it real briefly. Joy is a matter of trusting God. I'm not going to trust in myself. When I trust in God, joy is mine. And I'm going to remind myself of that. You can go back and review that if you'd like. And then peace was just last week. Where do you find peace? Quiz. Where do you? Yeah, through praying. And it's not through some holy penitent prayer. It's the idea that whatever anxiety I have, I give it to God. I'm going to pray. I'm going to give it. I'm going to trust him with it. And then whether or not I get understanding, God's peace is better. And I'm going to have that. So you put those two together, joy and peace, you'll get hope. And so this is what I want to give you. If you want to know the roadway, uh, to tell, me, tell me how to get to, to hope. Three ways. His word through endurance and encouragement means you've got to live through it. Study his word. And then lastly, joy and peace, giving over to God. Trusting him. All right, last one. Here we go. Let's finish it up. The scope of peace. I found this to be uh, pretty important as well. Uh, so number one, hope is in Jesus Christ. Hope is in Jesus Christ. It's a really important preposition there. In. We looked at this passage already, First Peter 3, right? Remember it says, Praise be to the God and Father, of Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope. How? There it is. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So when you hope, you place your hope in a person with a historical fact. Remember Luke? Look, I'm writing this down so you may may know the certainty of what you've been taught. Jesus is not dead. You can go to the grave of Muhammad. Do you know that? You can go to the grave of Buddha. Jesus ain't got no grave. You can go find an empty hole in the ground. My God lives. Amen? Amen. Resurrection. Resurrection is where we find living hope. And Jesus Christ is where uh, we place our hope. It's in Jesus Christ. Uh, Hurricane uh, Florence wasn't quite as big as what some of the um, Weather Channel folks were thinking it would be. But there's one picture I found that was pretty awesome. Uh, These kids who were stranded, uh, left behind. uh, They had no way of getting out on their own. And the water levels were rising. And guess what? Someone came to rescue them. You, you were born into a world where you've got nothing to rescue yourself. You try as hard as you want all day long, and you will never make it to heaven. God had to come down. God had to wade through the cold water and lift you up and carry you out. So when you hope, you and I hope in Jesus Christ. Uh, I want you to see that in the text. I'm not making that up. All right, look again in verse 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. There it is. That's the preposition in. We hope in Jesus Christ. Number two is this. We hope by the Holy Spirit. We hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So again in verse 13. He says as you trust in him. So that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Ain't no medicine, will get it done. Ain't no getting up early, we'll get it done. There's nothing in this world that can substitute for understanding the true hope by the indwelling of God's Spirit. How do you know if you have God's Spirit? It's because you can't continue to sin. If for you, sin is just, eh, I ain't no thing, and who are you to judge? And I ain't hurting no one. If that's your answer to sin, I don't think you have the Holy Spirit. Number one job of the Holy Spirit is to convict us of sin. I'm not saying you're sinless. Don't confuse what I'm saying here. You and I will continue to struggle in this world, but when you do, God's Spirit is going to say... Hey, how would how you come back to me? You won't do that on your own. The Spirit of God will get you there. That's how you know that you can have hope. It's only in the Spirit. Look at Romans 5. He says, And hope doesn't disappoint us because God's love has been poured out into our hearts. How? Through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. So when we're going to study the uh, scope of hope, it's in the Son, it's by the Spirit, and lastly, it's to the glory of the Father. You smart Bible student here. Why am I bringing this out? Who who's showing up here? God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I want you to see how they're all woven into hope. The hope that we uh, express is hope to glorify God the Father three ways that I want to show you. That number 1, hope glorifies God in community. Sometimes we need to wait for each other. You're you're going to want to run ahead. You're going to be strong in your faith, and we're going to have others who are weak. You're going to need to wait. Uh, my family and I, we were walking the other day, just down from my road. We were walking. We took the kids with us, and we started to go up a hill. And i got these big, long legs, so it's no problem, but my little four-year-old. And she starts legging behind, and what do we do? Too bad. Better catch up. Is that what we do? Why? Why would we wait? Because we, we love her. And the beauty of a family is not seen in, I'm going to get there first. That's not the beauty of a family. The beauty of a family is seen when we get there together. And so if you want to glorify God, you honor the family through community. And sometimes that means we're going to have to wait for each other. All right, number two, we hope glorifies God for his mercy. Uh, Look with me in verse nine. So the Gentiles may glorify God for his mercy. So there you go. I'm not making it up. Uh, That's our sermon next week is on mercy. So I might just press the pause button on that. Say tune in next week. We're going to study that a little bit more. Um, And lastly, hope is the fuel for worship. Hope is the fuel for worship. You praise God not just for what he has done, but what does hope do? Praises God for what he is going to do. That's right. All right, let's wrap this up. This is what I want to leave you with. How, how, how do I digest this this morning, Pastor? What do I do? Here it is. Worship while you wait. Is that Snow White? Whistle while you work. Is that, I don't know if I got that right. I'm changing it this morning, all right? You need to worship while you wait. I, I want you to go one more time to verse 13 because there's one word that we've missed and I just got to highlight it for you as we conclude. He says, May the God of hope, Fill you. See that word fill? So if, if I go to the picnic and you got some sweet tea and I say, hey man, fill my cup, right? I'm, I'm asking for it to the top. Don't give me some half cup of tea. Get it to the top, right? But look what God does. Go a little bit further with me. Fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may, what's the word? Overflow. Overflow. That is God's desire for you. He wants hope to be yours in such abundance that you're like, all right, it's, fill- it's filling, And God's like, I know, it's the best. <laughs> He's just, I mean, pouring it over. And when that happens in your life, it's evidenced through worship. It's evidenced through praise. Now, you might be listening to me this morning and feeling like, yeah, I, I got that. But maybe, maybe this is you. Maybe you still find that difficult. And, and I'm with you there. I, I don't want to just presume that this is... What's wrong with you? Why can't you? I don't want to be like that. I want, I want us to take this seriously. And so let me offer to you a couple of ways that you might be able to get there if you find this hard. And only you can answer this in your heart right now. If you find that you're grumpy more than happy in the Christian life, pay attention to these next ones. All right? Number one is this. You need to increase your competency in God's Word. I wrote this down in the margin of my Bible. Looking backward to find hope to move forward. Because look what it said in verse 4. Everything that was written was written to teach us. And so I gotta look backwards. I gotta see how they lived. How did they follow Jesus? And I'll have hope to move forward. That's a, that's a competency in God's word. Look, Bible study, 8 a.m., 7 p.m. We got a good core of, of folks that come, regular people that come. There's a bunch of you ain't coming. <laughs> I wish everybody came. I don't know how you make it throughout your week without having Bible study in the middle of it. i got to go every day with Bible study. I'm not trying to harp on you. I am a little bit, but I'm really not trying to make you feel bad. I simply want to show you this. If you think that worship for you while you wait is something that's for someone else, hear me now, it isn't. It is for you. And if that's difficult, start here. Start learning how to read God's Word. Secondly is this, increase your dependency on God. Uh, Mike has got uh, Lois's old four wheeler, and uh, it has it has a low gear. Now Micah is trying to take good care of it, and so he he only drives it just real slow, right right down the middle of the road. Now the, as a dad, I'm kind of glad, but you know, I get on that thing and rah, you know, I'm, I'm having a good time with it, right? That low gear will never be used if you're just gonna just gonna stay right in the middle, right? And and for some of us, that's what the Christian life is like. Yeah, I, I'm going to church. I'm not going to get too, that's your business. I, you, you know, we, we only operate with what we're able to do. We only operate where, where we're comfortable. Because if I get off the road a little bit, if I really take a step of faith to serve God, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know. You know what you might need? You might need to depend on God. God has got low gear, four-wheel drive of the Spirit ready to use. And you will fail to use it. If you're only ever staying right down the middle, I don't want to take any risks for God. Look, he says, I I haven't, this is John chapter 17. He says, I'm not praying to you, Father, that you take my people out of the world. He says, as you sent me, I'm sending them into the world. And you and I need to find an increased dependency on God if we're going to worship. Lastly, and I mean it, lastly, here we go. Mm -hmm. Increase your intimacy with Jesus Christ. Verse 12 says the Gentiles will put their hope in him. Jesus is the source of of joy and peace. And if you want hope, you get joy and peace. Look at no one else than Jesus. Last thing I want to say is, hope is a person. His name is Jesus Christ. Hope is a person. His name is Jesus Christ. Say that with me. Hope is a person. His name is Jesus Christ. Let's pray.